This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A few weeks ago, I had several of my friends send me an article that got my attention. The headline was, New vaccine can completely reverse autoimmune diseases like multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, and Crohn's disease. It was recently published in the journal Nature Biomedical Engineering. As many of you know, I was diagnosed with MS almost 20 years ago, and I've done several podcasts and interviews over the years about new treatments and advances when it comes to multiple sclerosis on my behalf and the millions of others who live with autoimmune disease. An estimated one in every 10 people worldwide has an autoimmune disease, a condition where the immune system mistakenly attacks healthy cells and tissues within the body. There are currently no cures for autoimmune diseases, including MS, but there have definitely been advances and many more treatments that have helped us over the years. But seeing a story like this was something I had to research. So I got in touch with the professor that helped author the study from the University of Chicago's Pritzker School of Molecular Engineering. His name is Jeffrey Hubble. And Jeff agreed to come on the podcast to talk about this exciting and hopeful new development. So please welcome Professor Jeffrey Hubble to the Janice Dean podcast. Okay, Professor Hubble, I saw the article, New Vaccine Can Completely Reverse Autoimmune Diseases Like Multiple Sclerosis, and it seemed too good to be true. I have had MS or have battling MS since 2005. You know, I'm doing relatively well. There have been bumps in the road, um, and I'm on great medication now. Uh, but to see something like this for our future is unbelievable. You know, we and, and others are exploring really new concepts in, uh, in treating diseases like multiple sclerosis, certain autoimmunities uh, that are based on undoing the immune response uh, that's, that's causing the disease. Uh, the, the drugs, which are good, uh, that are available now really suppress immunity, and they do suppress immunity broadly throughout the body. So the concept of an inverse vaccine is focused on on suppressing and indeed inducing what's called regulatory immunity, specifically toward that that uh, that that material, that protein that's causing autoimmunity, the cells that are being killed, and, and thus the, the tissues that are being damaged. So explain to me what you know autoimmune diseases are. What happens in the body? In autoimmune diseases, uh, the the immune system, which would normally protect you from pathogens or in in, in ways protect you from cells that become cancerous, in, in autoimmunity, those cells become incorrectly programmed to attack your own cells and tissues, which causes causes disease. Multiple sclerosis is one of those where they attack uh, proteins in the myelin sheath, which is like the insulating layer around nerves in the spinal cord in the brain. 
Mm-hmm. And what got you interested in this type of science? Uh, we've been working in my lab in uh, the combination of engineering approaches and immunology for some years. Uh, we're very interested in uh, in vaccine technology that might be able to uh, to apply some of the current learnings more to global health, for example. We're interested in in, uh, in uh, immuno-oncology, where you try to do just the opposite of what we're talking here, and where you try to rev up the body's immune system, not to prevent a, a cancer, but rather to treat cancer, to kill cancer cells, and hopefully kill them specifically. And so in that concept of immuno-oncology, you try to tip a balance away from tolerance toward aggression. And so it's natural then to also think about how you tip an endogenous aggressive response like in autoimmunity toward tolerance. Mm-hmm. And what kind of experiments do you do to you know, test this theory? Well, first, there comes a part of design, of understanding how you would make a, a, a molecule as a therapeutic that could induce a tolerogenic reaction. So we were very interested in the tolerogenic processes in the liver. The liver is a place where immune cells come to get educated. It does many other things, too. But So, for example, the liver clears uh, debris from dying cells from your blood, and it clears them all the time. And when it does that, to prevent autoimmunity to those th- that debris, it presents it uh, to immune cells in a way that induces their regulation. So we looked at the characteristics of, of these dying cell debris, uh, and uh, and uh, they have a different sugar composition on their surface than a, than a healthy cell, than a, than a younger cell. So we went to the lab led by Scott Wilson, who's now at Johns Hopkins University in his own lab, and we synthesized materials that looked like the, those sugars, that looked like the sugary characteristic of dying debris, uh, and then uh, c- conjugated that in a special way to proteins like domains of, of the proteins in myelin. We've also worked in type 1 diabetes models and then examined that uh, in, in mostly in preclinical models, in, in, uh, in, in mouse models, uh, to understand the immunobiology. And how long did this research take? Like, when did you, when did the light bulb go out off in your head that this might be something that could be promising on the horizon to where you are now? These roads are very long. Um, we started with the concept, uh, Scott Wilson and I, I believe it was 2014. Uh, the first publication on the on the topic uh, came out in a paper in, in 2019, uh, where we showed more uh, evidence on prevention of autoimmunity rather than treatment of autoimmunity. And then a paper that came out uh, this month uh, uh, that uh, Scott was also a part of, uh, and others from my laboratory, uh, uh, showed that we could not only prevent autoimmunity, but that we could treat autoimmunity by working in a in a model of multiple sclerosis in in, in, uh, in, in preclinically, where disease flares like it does in patients, and then uh, relapses like it does in some patients with so-called relapsing and remitting multiple sclerosis. And there we showed that uh, that we could keep the animal in quiescence, uh, keep it from uh, from from uh, remitting, relapsing, sorry, into uh, into disease. Hmm. Now what that it, was several years from 2014 to 2023. Yeah, of course. It takes a lot of patience, obviously, and diligence. Now, would it repair the myelin that has been damaged? 
That's a good question. Uh, some autoimmune uh, destructive tissues have a capacity to repair. Myelin is one of those. Others don't have such a capacity to repair. To repair. So, for example, the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. Uh, in, in, in there are a lot of people, including us, working on tolerization very early in onset of a disease like type one diabetes, while many of those cells are still alive. Uh, but you know, in in a patient that's been type one diabetic for a long time it's unclear whether we would be able to do anything useful without a separate technology, which is not us, focused on regeneration. Now, what's the next step for you guys? In our laboratory, we're interested in expanding this approach to other kinds of immune interactions. Uh, we're interested in, uh, in, in other autoimmunities and other, other autoimmunities driven by immune cells called T cells. Type 1 diabetes is high on our list, and we, we want to really hammer that. Um, there are other diseases uh, that are involving uh, these sort of immune reactions, like allergic asthma. Uh, so we have work going on in allergic asthma, asking whether we could tolerate to components, for example, of house dust mite, which is everywhere and causes asthma in a large number, fraction of, of asthmatics. Uh, interested in food allergy, whether we can take the same concepts and apply them to treatment of food allergy. Uh, you know, we're ex exploring those sort of approaches. Next on the bigger horizon, not just in my lab, is developing uh, these sort of approaches of targeting the liver in clinic, uh, meaning in, in clinical trials. Mm. That's not what we do in our lab. We collaborate with others to do that. And, you know, I should state clearly, that's a long, long road. Mm. Uh, just like it was a long road to develop the idea and do it preclinically, it's a long road fraught with difficulties and risks of failure along the way to to, uh, to demonstrate efficacy in, uh, in, in safety in clinic. But just to get this far, and, you know, once you find sort of the puzzle piece to a diagnosis like multiple sclerosis, it, you know, it kind of opens up the avenues for all sorts of other illnesses and diseases, like you mentioned. It, it does. Uh, it does. Um, you know, others are working on other approaches as well. Uh, we're not alone in this world. Uh, the, the, the community working on these sort of antigen-specific approaches in, in autoimmunity isn't large, but, but there are others, you know, taking their own shots at the, at the fence. And, you know, we're hopeful that, that one or a few of us, you know, ha develops an idea that, that, you know, that gets it, uh, gets it uh, the home run. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are other diseases, uh, autoimmune diseases, that are more driven by uh, immune cells called B cells. Uh, you know, where you develop antibodies that, that cause disease. Uh, the, the autoimmunities of the thyroid that, uh, that many uh, people have, uh, those are driven substantially by antibodies or myasthenia gravis and other neurological disease driven by, uh, by the antibodies. And that's a whole other class uh, that will require a whole, probably, whole other technology and, and approach to, uh, to treat that. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, 
Priceline. Tell me the differences in vaccines. You know, we think of a flu vaccine. We think of the COVID vaccine. So, you know, are there similarities and differences between a vaccine that can help with, say, MS? There are similarities and there are differences. Uh, the vaccines for infectious disease are, are by and large preventative. Um, you know, w- w- people are trying therapeutic vaccines and infectious disease. So, for example, against uh, 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 various uh, uh, viruses that infect the liver, uh, hepatitis B, uh, where that establishes chronicity. But the general uh, feature, though, is that those vaccines prime up uh, an immune response that generates antibodies, that generates these T cells that can kill infected cells. So they generate inf- uh, aggressive disease, uh, uh, immune actors. And, and that's a good thing for both prevention disease and then uh, treating the disease once you have, for example, COVID a bit. Um, so an uh, in inverse vaccine uses antigen-specific uh, approaches, just like the, uh, the, the infectious disease vaccines, where there would be bits and pieces of the proteins of SARS-CoV-2 in the vaccine formulation. Here we have the similarity, bits and pieces of myelin uh, in our our inverse vaccine approach. The difference, though, is rather than induce an aggressive immune response, we tamp down an aggressive immune response by triggering those aggressive cells to become unreactive. And then moreover, by inducing their called regulatory T cells, uh, which go into that that uh, tissue and cellular zone and actively downregulate aggressive cells. So that's the major difference between uh, a preventative disease like against flu or SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus uh, or and, and an inverse vaccine. Important to note, there's one great similarity in that both approaches have memory. Uh, you know, so you don't have to get vaccinated every day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so you don't have to treat it constantly. Uh, so uh, just like that, because there's memory, just like that, an inverse vaccine, and, and we've shown, induces a durable response, meaning one that's got immune memory. Just how durable? I think one will have to figure out in the clinic. Mm. So what would you think? Like, would it be, do you even know how many times a person would have to get this vaccine? You know, I, I'm not so cavalier as to, as to uh, guess from from uh, preclinical models to okay. that. I think it takes a lot of investigation to, to do that. I, I I do know that on our preclinical models, we see very good tolerance. You know, for for more than six months. Uh, you know, but uh, as we translate that to uh, to people, you know, I think that timing will have to be investigated. What kind of response did you get when this article came out? Obviously, people who suffer from the illness, I don't want to say suffer, but who live with this kind of challenge. Yeah. You know, that was very exciting for me. And I sent it to my neurologist. Have you been hearing from neurologists that, you know, that treat this kind of disease? That's a good question. I've certainly been hearing from a lot of patients Mm -hmm. uh, who have the disease or other diseases asking if these things are relevant to them. Um, So there there is quite a bit of interest in in the neurology community about these tolerogenic approaches in general. But in terms of response to this particular article, uh, most of the response has either been from from scientists working in this domain saying, hey, I think this could be interesting to think about or, you know, look at our, our, our results and how they uh, they sort of agree with the concepts that you're exposing in, in this paper. So there is reason for optimism and excitement, but it is a long road. 
That's right. There's reason for optimism and excitement. Uh, so I, I live my little life in the lab as an optimist, thinking why something might work. Uh, and then I try to prove it, or we try to prove it wrong, uh, you know, as quickly as we can. So there's 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 room for optimism in that the preclinical studies uh, look really quite convincing and, uh, and uh, you know, generate reason for hope. But one must also, you know, be tempered in, in one's enthusiasm to say, clinical development there are a lot a lot a lot of steps to go through and uh, and and whether the preclinical models adequately represent the clinical situation uh is is an open question mm-hmm. why did you get into this type of work I, I really love uh, uh, in my research laboratory and, and my team loves. I've got a very dedicated and and uh, skillful and creative team in the lab. You know, we really love trying to apply our engineering and uh, and knowledge of uh, immunobiology toward therapeutic development. A, a lot of people think that way too, but we're really focused on therapy. Uh, you know, developing new therapeutic modalities, meaning new concepts of modalities, in asking whether we can show in, you know, at the preclinical stage that there might be hope and then trying to find partners to carry it forward onto, onto clinical development. Did you know, did you know when you were a kid that you wanted to kind of pursue this type of uh, profession? I, you know, I knew as a kid I wanted to be an engineer. My my father was an engineer, and uh, one of my grandfathers would have been engineer had he had it been a different generation in time. Uh, you know, so I, I grew up with engineering, but uh, you know, in in, uh, in high school I, I came to really love chemistry, and so we we uh, I became a, I tra- a training as a, as a chemical engineer, and then uh, I I started working in, in my PhD studies uh, with a, a professor named Larry McIntyre at Rice University, doing about half engineering and half biology. Uh, under his lab, and his lab as an engineering lab was was very biological. And so I learned to love biology uh, during my, my PhD. And so the rest of my career has been focused on combining engineering and engineering and, and biology. And then, uh, you know, uh, early on in my career, uh, maybe in the fourth year of it, I said, I really want to focus on not just understanding biology, which was more my PhD, but rather doing something interventional in biology. And, and that's how my lab's been focused since then. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's been so long to find, quote unquote, cures for these types of illnesses? They are very complex diseases. Autoimmunity is a very complex disease class. Um, one can identify, and, and other other uh, uh, scientists, physician scientists, have identified key inflammatory regulators that are involved in autoimmunity, and done a great job developing drugs around inhibiting those inhibitors. Mm. Or another approach is to inhibit the migration of the immune cells out of the immune compartment called the the, the the lymphatics, the lymph nodes, the secondary lymphoid organs, into the target tissue. That, that's that's a big drug in, in multiple sclerosis that, pro, that prohibits uh, exit and thus entrance into the target tissue like the spinal cord in the brain. Uh, th- those drugs have made a lot of impact. Um, as I said, they, they, they come with some downsides and complexities of systemic immune suppression. So people more, more recently, meaning last... 15 or so years have started looking at, at antigen-specific approaches and that, that could be not broad immune suppressants, but rather than inhibiting uh, 
activators, inhibiting bad things, could promote a good thing, uh, meaning promote these regulatory T cells. And that biology isn't super well understood. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've, we and others have had to learn some bio new immunobiology along with new ways to intervene uh, over the last several years. Now, what do you need for to develop this type of research and continue your testing and, and trying to, you know, do good in the world? Yeah, you know, we, we need uh, a team, uh, you know, some, I think my, my lab is a team of, of engineers and immunologists and chemists who all become dedicated around, uh, you know, a similar goal of developing therapeutics, like I mentioned here in autoimmunity, but also in immune oncology and, 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 and other uh, kinds of immune interventions. And that interdisciplinary knowledge that also comes with collaborators uh, you know, card-carrying immunologists, for example. I, I'm I'm just a chemical engineer. Uh, you know, card-carrying immuno-oncologists, and and so forth. That those teams come together to really focus on on science, uh, and 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 then on uh, hopefully on medicine. Um, you know, so that team needs to be empowered uh, by funding. Uh, th this work is really expensive, uh, and so you know, we we spend a lot of our time raising funding from uh, from federal sources, from state sources. Uh, and, and from philanthropic sources. And how do you get that message across? Obviously, with a podcast like this one, but you know, how do you fundraise for something like this that could be just in an incredible, um, you know, change of life for so many people? There are disease and and patient oriented already uh, organizations, you know, that exist that that uh, that then uh, collect funds from donors and and distribute it based on individual grants that are written on an individual concepts. Uh, there are also sometimes you know donors that are very interested in uh, in a whole disease area. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, the Alper Family Foundation has uh, been a, a key supporter of ours in this uh, work on on uh, developing, we hope, therapeutics for multiple sclerosis. Uh, you know, so support from foundations like that are, are really key in in being able to drive the wild idea approaches. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, the, the, the National Institute of Health is fantastic, but, um, you know, one often has to avoid risk uh, in uh, in one's proposals there. And uh, in ideas that are uh, really out there, uh, I'm not saying ours is so out there, but our ideas that are out there are, are sometimes difficult to find with federal funding because the, the, the throttle is throttled down so tightly on, on uh, success rates. That, that ideas that have risk are, are often difficult to, to uh, find uh, uh, federal funding for. Mm -hmm. And what do you tell the patients that, that contact you and say, Professor, you know, can I try this? Yeah, I, I try to tell them about clinical trials that are running and the status of those and how long they take. Um, you know, so uh, there, many people are interested in getting involved in clinical trials. Those are those are uh, you know really a very uh, precisely defined clinical trials, and, and I'm not running any of those. To be clear, I, as I said, I'm, I'm just a chemical engineer. Uh, you know, so I, I try to tell them about clinical opportunities, but also about the long road. Uh, you know, the, the long road ahead, and 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 not to think that uh, next year you know they're going to be able to go to their neurologist or other uh, rheumatologist and and receive uh, receive therapy that's available in the, in the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. It's a marathon, right? Not a, just a quick race. It, 
It is. It is really a long race. And it's a marathon that's run by an enormous team. There are people back in the, you know, in the in the ideation stage labs uh, in mine in corporate labs too, and many other academic labs. And then there are teams of, of drug developers, you know, that, that take it, you know, way beyond what my academic lab would be capable of in terms of you know the many many issues needed to uh, to be done to develop a new drug. So it's a marathon, but a marathon that's, that's not run as individuals competing each other, but a marathon that's running as a team. And you know, in in ways, it's like a tag team. Uh, you know, so some of the early stage researchers, you know, like I, me, uh, we we make our contribution and then we stay involved. But you know, we're not leading it, and then other people pick up the lead. It, it's a it's a very uh, a, a pleasant exercise to see so many people uh, focused on a goal, one goal. Mm. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, you know, I appreciate you taking your time and your expertise and explaining all of this. You know, I do have to say that seeing an article like this does kind of bring some sunshine into my life. I know it takes a long time, um, but, you know, with people like you and your team, I, I am excited for the future. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed uh, speaking. Thank you again to Professor Jeffrey Hubble for joining me today. If you would like to read more about this incredible development in the world of autoimmune diseases and all the work that Pritzker School of Molecular Engineering is doing, you can visit their website at pme.uchicago.edu. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram, or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.